This is the uh, second week of this new series, Bless This House. Uh, Craig kicked it off last week, so this means we'll have two more weeks. Today we're going to talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So I want to welcome you to church this morning here at New Life. And uh, this, this series is focused on the home. It's focused on the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and with a specific application uh, to our homes. How many of you would love to have your home and family blessed? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, I guess those who didn't raise their hands. No, I didn't think so. Okay. Most people today would say my family is really struggling. And so that would mean not blessed. My marriage is not what it could be. Raising kids is more difficult than I thought. Uh, financially, we're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, there are a lot more temptations today than there were in the past. Then there's the challenge of more and more blended families, which can be a blessing. Uh, but then you're raising your kids, her kids, and our kids. Plus, both exes tend to make the situation complicated. There are an, a record number of single parents today trying to support a family on one income. And there's only one of you to carry the entire load. And the discipline of raising kids is overwhelming. Now, if you're here and you're not married, I know what you're thinking, oh, here we go, a series on the family. I'm not married, this doesn't apply to me. No, let me stop you in your tracks. If you're not married yet, that's great, actually. Um, this is the best time to learn and prepare yourself uh, for future blessing. Most of us who are married would have been glad to learn this before we jumped into marriage. Last week, Craig led us through Jesus' teaching, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so the, the basis of that sermon, the concept in that sermon that was presented, uh, was being pure in heart. And so that really is a challenge for us today, um, to be pure in heart. There's so much to draw us away um, that it's difficult. Week three, Craig's going to lead our study of Jesus' words, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, often it seems like we're around people who are more like peacetakers than peacemakers. Uh, don't elbow the person next to you, by the way, but this, this is reality. And then week four, I will address blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So we're going to see that when we are a Jesus-centered family, people will actually make fun of us for our faith, uh, but we're not going to worry when we're persecuted for being a follower of Jesus. We're actually going to worry when nobody is persecuting us because we're probably blending in. Now, my family is not perfect, and chances are neither is yours. All of us can use help. Uh, today, 
I want to share some things that have worked in my home along with some things I've learned uh, from other pastors. In this series, we're looking at Jesus's Beatitudes from his Sermon on the Mount with a specific application to families. We normally look um, at, at the Beatitudes on a, from a personal standpoint, but we're going to look at it from families. And so here's our text, Matthew 5, 26. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, I have to admit, truth is, uh, most of our homes today are not filled with that which matters most. Uh, but in fact, families are searching and striving for anything uh, that would bring meaning to their lives. We're filling our lives with things that don't matter. So we're not as blessed as we could be. We are not typically hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for right living, for doing the right thing in the right you know, in a way that, that we live to please God. In your home, what are you hungering for? Uh, that's not just you, but your whole family. Now, I want you to be honest. You don't have to answer me out loud, but think about this seriously. What are you hungering for? What matters most to you? Um, and And I know that a lot of you are going to say, well, you know, we're here to please God. And, yeah, that's a good textbook answer. Uh, but is that response from a heart of integrity? Is that what you're really trying to do? Um, because you are, in fact, actually living to try to please God. Or would that be like your Sunday school answer? Okay. We all know how it should be. And so we give that response. Now, if I got your kids off to the side and asked them the same question, how would they respond? Uh, let's make it easy. We're not going to talk about life up till today, but just the last seven days, what were you pursuing or what was it that you were hungry for? Uh, and I want you to be honest. Some of us would say, well, you know, I'm really just trying to relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. Relaxing is good. We, we tie ourselves out. And we need to relax uh, to, to get rejuvenated. Um, others would say, well, um, I, I'm trying to have a good time. I work hard all week so that the family can do whatever uh, we want to do on the weekend. You know, chill out unwind or do something fun and once again there's nothing wrong with that uh, but you know let's call it what it is there's no spiritual element there um, others were, would say well we're pursuing popularity we want to be liked so we're focused on image management look at our family look at how we dress um, Look at our home, our nice home, our yard, the cars we drive. Look at the way we walk into church, the happy Christian family. Everybody has a smile on their face. Um, kids, 
don't tell anyone that we were cursing and screaming at one another in the car on the way over to church. You know, it's time now to, you, you've seen that commercial with the doc, doctor pose, the guys that aren't doctors. That's, that's the way we act, you know. Uh, we want to look like we're Christians, even if deep down uh, we really aren't consistent. And, uh, and the, the, big, the big spiritual determinator is look at the size of my Bible. You know, it says right on here, Holy Bible. And so if, if you have a big Bible like this, this means that you're at the top of the list spiritually, you know. And so if you've got a Bible like this and you carry it to church, then you can, you can lie, cheat, steal, fornicate, commit adultery, whatever the sin is, because you have this Bible. And that covers all of that. You know, God will overlook your sins because you're carrying this spiritual big Bible to church with you every week. Well, we all know that that's not the case. That's not true. Well, for many, their pursuit is sports. Sports are like a god uh, in America today. Um, you know, our child is champion underwater synchronized swimming polo player in the fourth and under category on the traveling team. Wow. You know, isn't that impressive? Sports seasons today overlap with multiple 24-hour sports channels on cable and Internet TV. People can immerse themselves in worldwide sports 24 hours a day without ever watching duplicate programs. On top of that, fantasy sports is gaining popularity uh, at, at a fast pace in our country. And, and let me lay this out for you because some of you don't see this. Uh, it's similar in principle to fantasy relationships. And this is why people, maybe mostly women, uh, watch soap operas. These are fantasy relationships. You get to see people living the type of lifestyle that you'd like to live. Uh, and fantasy sex, which we commonly call pornography. If we are like most people in our culture today, if we're truly honest over the past seven days, we were pursuing something or many things other than God. We were not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Uh, if we change our eating habits, uh, remarkably, our appetites and our cravings will change. Now, some of us, me included, need to heed what I'm saying here today. We can change our appetite. Um, if we start pursuing or seeking God, soon we will see the benefits of walking with God being led by his spirit, empowered by his presence and his spirit, the consequences will be that we will long for more of him while the cravings of the junk foods of this world, which distracted us from God, will subside. And so we'll develop a new appetite, which means we will begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, so what doesn't work? 
to build a home centered around Jesus? Well, the first thing is legalistic Christianity does not work to build a home centered around Jesus. Legalism is the reduction of Christianity to a series of do's and don'ts. Legalism makes Christianity a set of rules. Do this, don't do that. It includes a series of cans, can'ts, shoulds, shouldn'ts, oughts, and ought nots. Wait, that's hard to say. If you're a good Christian, then you always get it right. You always know which rules to keep. Whatever you do, kids, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't run around with kids who do. Maybe your parents told you that. I don't know. For the glory of God, that's what makes a good Christian, following the rules. It's all about the rules. Well, the problem with legalism is that rules without relationships lead to rebellion. And a lot of families have experienced that with their children. Uh, have, you, have you ever noticed that sometimes pastors or elders' kids are the worst kids in the church? You ever notice that? Well, there's a reason for it. It's this. Uh, the rules without relationships. Uh, it's because of all those legalistic rules. And so legalistic Christianity never works. Okay, the second is lukewarm Christianity does not work to build a home centered around Jesus. Lukewarm Christianity claims to believe in God, but then lives as if God doesn't exist. A lot of people fit in that category. So if your home is Christian in name only, but there really is no passion for the things that bring glory to God, then that is lukewarm Christianity. All right, let's, let me help you gauge your situation so that you can determine whether or not yours is a lukewarm family. Okay? Um, if you can't say the last time that you prayed together as a family your family's lukewarm uh, and I don't mean like rub-a-dub-dub thank you for this grub amen let's eat okay that's that's a weak prayer all right um, I mean praying passionately for something together all the members of your family like a lost neighbor or a friend who has a life-threatening illness. You know, something that borders on the miraculous. Uh, sometimes we're, we find it difficult to pray for something that's a miracle or almost a miracle. Um, then you're lukewarm. If you're not praying like this with your family... You're allowing your family to become spiritually lukewarm. If you never read the Bible together as a family and discuss its application, that's an indicator of a lukewarm home. 
if you never serve together as a family to meet needs in the community, then that's another indicator of a lukewarm home. Here's what Jesus said in Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Legalistic Christianity and lukewarm Christianity do not work. So what does work? Okay? What does work to build a home centered around Jesus? Now, don't just be a Christian family. Become a Jesus-centered family. Now, you might think that sounds contradictory, but um, statistics show us that 80% of Americans call themselves Christians. If 80% of the people in America were Christians today, we would not be going down the path we're going down. Things would not be as bad in our country as they are. But not all are a part of a Jesus-centered home. And that's what we're talking about here. This is something that's, that's serious. Now, we can call ourselves Christians, but a lot of people call themselves Christians who, in reality, aren't Christians. In many places, oh, well, let me say this. In America, we can claim to be anything and generally, there aren't really any repercussions. Um, our, our country's that diversified that they pretty much accept anything. Uh, but in many places throughout the world, it could cost you your life if you claimed to be a Christian. You may be able to make some sort of semblance of a quack. Let me hear you quack. Well, that's pretty weak. Those are pretty, pretty weak quacks. Okay, well, just because you can make a semblance of a quack doesn't make you a duck. You know, a duck can really quack. In addition to that, can fly and lay an egg, and you can't do that. You're a Christian in the Bible sense. If Jesus is the center of your life and not just a part of your life, there's a difference. Your home needs to be Jesus-centered and not just a family of Christians, certainly not a family of Christians in name only. Uh, the Bible doesn't say, blessed are those who believe in Jesus when it's convenient for them, but it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, then we need to change our appetites. In Psalm 63, verse 1, the scripture says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you 
in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Now, David was taking life seriously. He was taking his relationship with God seriously. Now, I, I want to re reread that passage, but, but I'm going to put it in the plural and apply it like to our families. Okay, so, oh God, you are our God. We earnestly search for you. Our souls thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Now, every moment of every day, we should earnestly pursue God, not just when it's convenient. And that means both as an individual and as a family. Now, consider the silly things that we live for in place of God. Okay, oh, popularity, you are my God. I long for you in a dry and weary land. Oh, championship of the eight and under soccer league, you are my God. I long for you. Oh, new car, my butt longs for your heated leather seats. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid, but that's how many of us live, and we wonder why on the inside we're so empty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. You know, God loves us. He truly does. And he is approachable. Uh, we can go to him for anything and everything. As a matter of fact, he wants us to approach his throne of grace with boldness because he wants to be involved in all that we do. Well, you wouldn't dare invite him to some of the things that you do. But you should be able to. Craig Groeschel, uh, John and I went to a Catalyst One Day conference a couple weeks ago uh, outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And Craig always preaches there uh, every year. And uh, I, I've studied a lot of, of his writings and his sermons. And uh, he, he really impresses me as a, a serious man of God. Well, he tells about his 17-year-old daughter, Mandy, who came to his room about 11 p.m. one night while he was adding the finishing touches to his sermon and getting ready to fly out to Florida uh, on the next day. And, and I believe that Craig has done an excellent job creating a Christ-centered home. Mandy wanted to talk and have her dad pray with her. Um, so, you know, how often do your kids come to you and want you to pray with them and for them? Probably not many. He asked how she would give advice to another family on how to create a Jesus-centered home. Okay, here's her response. She said, you should create an environment, this is speaking to parents, you should create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God so it's not something they feel like they have to do but something they want to do. Oh, I just have to say, wow, you know, 17-year-old girl talking like this. You know, that was brilliant and certainly good advice, 
for him to pass on uh, to, to others. She then asked him, Daddy, will you pray with me about my future because I really need to know what God wants me to do with my future. And so Craig said that's not an unusual thing for Mandy to ask because of a lifetime of making prayer a part of something that is in their family. So I have to say that Craig has successfully turned his Christian family into a Jesus-centered family and home. Okay, let me suggest three ways to create a hunger and thirst for God. Okay, first of all, we need to involve God in our daily conversations. When we're talking about anything, we need to involve God in that conversation. And we call this prayer. Prayer is the primary way that we communicate with God. Now, that may seem weird for a lot of people because we've never done it that way before. It's something totally new. Um, but when you're driving along, admiring a beautiful sunrise or the colorful leaves as they're changing, instead of saying, wow, that's awesome, say, look at the sunrise or the change in leaves that God has blessed us with. So you're drawing God into the conversation. In your marriage, instead of saying, man, I don't know what to do, uh, what do you think we should do? Say or ask, I wonder what God wants us to do. So in your marriage, you are reminding yourself that you're not just a Christian home, but you want to be a Jesus-centered home. So involve God in your conversations. Tell yourself, your spouse and kids over and over again, look at how God has blessed us. We, we have all these great friendships, and we get to be a part of a church that's making a difference in the community and around the world. We've got a great family. Look at the many ways God has blessed us. If you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you've got to make church a non-negotiable. If yours is going to be a Jesus-centered home, you will make worship of God a priority. Faith comes from hearing the word of God, the Bible says. That is the only way that we are told to build our faith. And so an hour a week to honor the creator, sustainer of the universe who sent Jesus is certainly reasonable. Men, I'm going to address this to you now. Are you a man or a mouse? Which is it? Are you a man? You don't have to respond. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Besides, it's hard to be honest with a question like that, you know. Uh, but are you a man or a mouse. God made you to be the head of your family. And as such, he will hold you responsible for them. Now, this is an awesome responsibility, guys. Ladies, the Bible says that if your husband is an unbeliever, that you are to set a good example for him so that he might be won over to Jesus because of your example. 
seeing Jesus in you. Ladies, if the father is not in the picture, then you become, by default, the leader of the family. And so you need to set and enforce the standards. We are a Jesus-centered home. We are going to church, period. I want to ask you a question. This is men and women. You're standing at the judgment. Do you want your child to look at you and say, thank you for making me go to church? Or do you want to hear them say, I wish you had made me go to church when I started rebelling and pulling back? If they're not making, if your children are not making good decisions, then they're not ready to make decisions on their own. I don't care if they're 17 or 18. They're still at home and they're making bad decisions. You need to take that back. They do still live in your house, eat your food, and watch your cable TV, so you have some say. Once again, are you a man or a mouse? Um, your entire family should be involved in the various ministries of the church. Uh, that means parents should be involved in life groups, uh, as well as community ministries, like, okay, what we do here, uh, all the things we do with Coral School, the Winchester Rescue Mission, ABBA, CCAP, Salvation Army, etc. Ministering to the needy, the needy people in our community. Uh, parents, you will hinder your children's spiritual development by encouraging and, support, uh, and supporting your children's and teens' involvement in sports and other activities that lack a spiritual dimension. Now, some people are going to get upset with me over this, but it's disappointing to see how few parents involve their children in the children's and teen ministries of the church. And so here's the thing. I, I've seen this, and I've read statistics. It can easily be predicted that most of those young people whose parents involve them in everything uh, in the community uh, and nothing in the church, they will eventually leave the church along with their relationship with Jesus. Bottom line, parents, if you do that, you allow that, you encourage that, then you're an accessory. Don't teach them to seek the world instead of God. That's sin. Mom and dad, set the example for your children of how to seek and serve God. They'll learn it best if they see it in you. Let me be honest with you. I, I feel like I failed my children in this regard during their formative years. And I just, I didn't see it. So now I'm telling you so that you can see it and, and maybe do, be, do a better job than, than I did. And so since that time, I've learned much um, from other spiritual leaders and reading that I have done and uh, guys like Craig Groeschel, who I think has done a superb job. I mentioned his 17-year-old daughter in an earlier illustration. Let me tell you more about that story. When Craig gets up at 6.30 in the morning to get ready to go to church to work, his two youngest sons are already up, 
studying their Bibles and praying. When asked, how did you train them to do that? He said, we don't. It's not a rule. They have seen their mom and dad and older brothers and sisters do it every day. He said, it's a part of our family culture. It's not, it's not even questioned. Craig says, we don't have to tell them to be good when they are already seeking the one who is good. Now, that's, that's wise. Matthew 6.33, this isn't a Sermon on the Mount also. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added or given to you as well. He's talking about food, clothing, shelter. And then Matthew 5, 6, our text, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, Craig says that he has never told his 19 and 17-year-old daughters not to have sex with boys. You know, don't party, don't drink, don't do drugs. And he says that neither of those girls has kissed a boy and their reason here's and this is a quote from them that um, you know they haven't found one of those hairy leg preachers who is pursuing God now you know the standard for most people today is you you pick select somebody who's attractive uh, in whatever way but that's you the usual standard they're looking for guys, you know, who are pursuing God. He says they could be raising normal kids, he and his wife, um, who have an average of eight sexual partners before the age of 18. Statistically, that is normal. And so, which kind of kids do you want? Normal or weird? <laughs> People call his kids weird. Um, your reaction is probably, well, you know, Craig doesn't live in the real world. Uh, we could never have that. Uh, you can have what God wants you to have if you will pursue God, period. But you say, well, you, you don't know how messed up we are. You know, you don't know how bad it is. I'm trying to keep my 14-year-old off drugs. You know, you have no idea. Listen carefully. You can have what God wants you to have if you pursue him. So stop making excuses. That's all they are. Gentlemen, get off your butts and lead your family. Lead toward a Christ-centered culture. Don't know where to start? Well, we just made it simple. Show it's a blessing. Show your children it's a blessing to serve God. Create a hunger and thirst for God. Involve God in all of your conversations. Make attending church worship services a priority and set an example for your children. Now, Joshua portrayed all the signs of a good leader when the Israelites didn't want to move forward 
Here's what Joshua said to them in Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. This is what we're all doing every day. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So he was, he was manning up. He was being the leader of his family. Choose today. Are you going to be a Christian home in name only, blending in like the culture, or are you going to be a Jesus-centered home? As you make the decision, remember, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're going to sing a song of decision, give you the opportunity to accept Jesus if you need to do that, uh, become a member uh, of the church, uh, any decision that you need to make. Let's stand.